Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio, proudly sponsored by the BPA. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back. A nice, hope you're having a nice Monday evening out there. We're back for another instalment of Bry Island Discs. This week, we have the incredible Tim Salmon. <laughs> Say hi to us, Tim. Hi, everybody. So, Tim, just tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, I know you're... You're, well, I think you're the head of security here. No, 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 no. That's Mike. I'm Mike, a okay. tiny, tiny cog. You're Smiley Tim. I, everyone I'm knows you for Smiley, smiley Tim. Smiley, tiny cog, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no um, not too much to tell about, really. Um, 64 now, going on 17. I think everybody would like to be that in their own heads. <laughs> but been at the school now for 10 years. So uh, prior to that, 29 years in the Marines. And after escaping the Isle of Wight, which is where I was born and bred. So pretty, oh, wow. Pretty simple life. Really. Yeah, no, cool. We'll explore a little bit about that later. But a classic question on the Bryland Disc series. I'm sure, as you know, you were saying just a second ago that you've listened to, you've had a sneak peek of a couple of um, the ones um, that we've um, recorded here. So, classic question. What would your luxury item and book be if you were to be stranded on the uh, Stranded by the luxury item is not yeah. actually a, a luxury as such. It's more practical. So, um, having been quite a fan of Tom Hanks in the film world and watched him on Castaway trying to chop things down with a, uh, an ice skate that he found on the beach, mine would be a, a Golok, which is um, uh, from a marine. That's a marine's term. Now, basically, what it is is a small-ish looking machete. So, um, and being in the Marines, we used to use them all the time and um, anything from chopping down trees to making uh, snow caves and blocks of ice to, to build things with. So that would be me and that would be a, that would keep me going, I think, because you could probably do a lot of things with that, a lot of, of playtime with a gollock and chop a few trees down if you got bored, I suppose, on your desert island. Um, and, and the book would be really difficult for me, I think, um, but I am a fan of fantasy and fiction, so I think, I, and I have had a book on my bedside table for about 12 years, which I dip into and out of now, which is the um, Complete Chronicles of Conan, Conan the Barbarian, by Robert E. Howard. And uh, it's kind of 900 pages long, and I've probably got a third of the way through it in 12 or 15 years. So I think <laughs> that being on a desert island would be a great opportunity to try and finish it. So. I was going to say, you might, yes, you probably... <laughs> Just about managed to wrap it up in that time, I reckon. Yeah, um, hopefully. Definitely go for practicality and survivability, I think, over a... Uh, yeah, I think luxury, that's kind of my say. training. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of... Tell us what you would use... Uh, Golic, is that right? So yeah, 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 yeah. So, would these um, be your main priority with, with the Golic? Well, it's shelter building. So um, I uh, basically, like I said, when I went first went to Norway, we'd, we'd use it for anything building a brushwood bivy, so chopping down a few birchwood trees and building yourself a lean-to shelter, or if you're up in the hills, um, digging yourself out a nice snow hole to uh, to hide in overnight. And I know it sounds um, kind of uh, a bit odd, but the warmest night in the Arctic Circle is actually inside a snow hole, so... You dig yourself a cave in the side of a snowdrift and just block block it all back in again. Leave yourself some air coming in, and you can literally strip down to your undies if you wanted, and it'd be minus twenty outside. So, much like an igloo, same principles as an igloo, I suppose. 
Right, right, right. No, for sure. That's pretty cool. Um, and your, I mean, this 900-page chronicle of is it Conan? Chronicles of Conan the Conan. Barbarian. So, I mean, I appreciate it's probably, you probably average like a page every, I don't know, a week or something like that. <laughs> From that a story now years. and again, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, what's the book about? I mean, I'm very unfamiliar. Never heard of Conan the Barbarian, so uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 right, right. Is, is, all, is he, oh, he's... Okay. He played Conan, um in his previous times and um, I th- there was another guy who's just done a, the more latest version of it but Arnold just after his heyday of Mr. Uh, Universe yeah, yeah right right would right. have been uh, that's where he uh, kind of well, well I first came across him in films as well but I came across the stories of Conan the Barbarian before Arnold really so uh, but he just seemed to fit the bill quite nicely that's cool. That's really cool. Um, and Tim, your first song we've got on the system here tonight, um, I believe, is A Day in the Life by the Beatles. Of course, the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, music is kind of like, it's like everyone else in the world, I suppose. It's uh, it's in and around you all the time. Uh, it's not something I kind of uh, would call myself uh, obsessed with, but I do love music. When you hear it, you know a song that you like. And growing up in the Isle of Wight, um, I've got an older brother and two older sisters. And it was my older brother, really, that was always into the Beatles. And I was just kind of brought up listening to it. But uh, listening to A Day in the Life, and you'll hear it when you hear it, it's the first time I've heard a piece of music that was more than just a pop song. And it kind of uh, encompasses lots of other different things. There's orchestras in it, and it's kind of like double tapes and triple tapes and 16 tracks and 32 tracks, and it's just over and over again. Okay, It was like a wow moment, if you like. It's like, you can do this with music? <laughs> right, well, let's hear that. Yeah. Thanks for a little bit of that backstory, Tim. Thank you. The Poppy and Izzy Show. Join us Wednesdays at 4.30 to 5.15. This is where we talk about everything and anything to do with Bri and the Bri life. But guess what? It's okay if you miss a show because you can find all our shows recorded on the Bri Radio website. Thank you. 
woke up, fell out of bed, dragged a comb across my head. Found my way downstairs and drank a cup. And looking up, I noticed I was late. Found my coat and grabbed my hat. Made the bus in seconds flat. Found my way upstairs and had a smoke. And somebody spoke and I went into a dream. Tim, you were just chatting to us a little bit, um, well, both in the break and um, and yeah, in the previous previous interval. You were saying how you grew up on the Isle of Wight, and yeah. uh, well, you were born there, and uh, your siblings had quite an influence on. Uh, well, your older brother had quite an influence on uh, your kind of genre of music. So tell me how impactful he really was to to your kind of upbringing and your musical. Well, the, the kind of worst thing he ever did. To, well, the worst and probably the best thing he ever did to me when I was ten and he was sixteen. He he left. To join the army as a junior leader and left me at home with four sisters so uh, I've never quite forgiven him for that so <laughs> <laughs> I see I, well I understand your pain <laughs> can't relate but I understand <laughs> but no yeah so listening to his music um, uh, kind of brought me into the Beatles side of life and then um, my uh, one of my twin sisters who were both older than me um, her, her she and her first husband were probably a, a more influential in, in terms of music because Chris was his name and he was just his music choice was so eclectic couldn't help but um, kind of grow up and they took me to my first concerts actually so, uh, a band called the Sensational Alex Harvey Band which don't exist anymore and um, uh, Leonard Skinhead which is kind of like a soft Midwest rock band from the, from the States but Prior to that, and you're going to, um, that's my next track that's coming up as we're still kind of talking into it. My second wow moment of music is this band that's coming up now is uh, Budgie, who um, as a 16-year-old, I used to go out with a few friends and into a, a bar. Don't tell anyone now. Um, and it was no bigger than kind of like Cowley and Dorchester uh, all combined. So it was quite a small place. <laughs> 
and this band budgie turned up one week and just literally the whole end of it was filled with amps and it was just like what is this noise and it was real heavy rock music a three-piece band from south wales who um kind of a lot of the more known rock bands as they attribute some of their um influences back to budgie as well so and for me for them to come to the isle of wight and being in, in captured if you like or just um coddled from the rest of the world on the island to listen to this rock band was just because we used to just sit around at school because we didn't have um phones that we could talk to each other on back then and you have to actually speak to people face to face and you discuss your music choices so that's, that's cool no yeah. this is this is an age reference tim but it was music quite like a novelty to you and your family when you were younger or um, well, I'm kind of like there was uh, there was top of the pops, and then I was sitting around at school discussing what your choice of music was like because top of the pops never used to, um, and me and my kind of cohort, if you like, ne- never used to play the music that we liked, apart from uh, a few hits of Status Quo and 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 the like. So yeah, and when you, I can't remember the names now, but because it's such a long time ago, nearly fifty years ago now. So, but the bands that we used to like um, would be there: like Led Zeppelin and your, your, your typical, yeah, so classic. It was, uh, classic, yeah, classic heavy rock, Deep Purple, and all of that kind of thing, which was all influenced by just listening to this one band coming up next, uh, Budgie, and it was just. And, and and the track here because I I had kind of longer than shoulder length hair as a youth growing up and it was just yeah I I, I like heavy music yeah. and I didn't like being told what to do and I was a bit not rebellious at school but um, just enjoyed a bit of freedom of thought shall we say it's the long hair stereotype potentially yeah yeah no long I... wavy hair exactly yeah <laughs> right 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 we'll get on to your next song in a second tim but i mean as you as you kind of got older into your 20s and 30s did that kind of um did the did that kind of band stay with you um in your oh, oh yeah definitely i mean i develop or I um i was quite sporty in my youth on the island so i did a lot of running and i played a lot of football um, and then um, out of nowhere, really, I joined the Marines at 18. So I was, by the time I was in my 20s, I was off the island and, and away. So, um, but my love of that class of music came with me. Um, and as we were deployed away to, to different locations, different people that I met from different parts of the country who were all in the Marines brought their influence. So some guys were bringing Northern Soul, so I quite liked a bit of Northern Soul. Another chap I remember really well, a guy called Willie Hanna, introduced me to the police. So that was kind of like, you know, it's all educational and it was all wrapped around that as well. And somebody else really liked Kate Bush and I got into Kate Bush as well in early years. It was just massive eclectic mix, really. And the more people you met from different parts of the country and different parts of the world, the more music became kind of like um, the blinkers came back a little bit and kind of think, well, yeah. There is more to music than the Beatles and heavy rock. It was, yeah, kind of extending your diversity of, of kind of yeah, songs. for sure, yeah, 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 yeah naturally, yeah. naturally. So, talk to us a little bit about your second choice, which I think we've got here is um, uh, "Rape of the Locks." Yeah, by Budgie. By Budgie, Budgie. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of like a harsh term, if you like, but it's all about not wanting to have a haircut, really. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
Oh, if everyone hates the hairdressers <laughs> here and there. Well, back then it was as well because it was kind of like we all. You know, bend your head over, shake your head up and down a few times and just listen to the beat of the music. It doesn't really matter what else was going on. Mm. So, like I said, I saw them in this very small bar place and it, the I don't know what the decibels must have been back then, but um, I'm sure it'd be illegal now. So it was just like amp stacked on top of amp stacked on top <laughs> the of amp. These three right, tiny right, figures right. right in the middle because it's a three-piece band. Um how, how do three people make that much noise and keep it all together? So was... Let's see the noise that you're talking about, Tim. Let's see now. Thank you very much.
wow, what a song, what a song. I know we didn't quite get to the end of it, so it's a six-minute song, Tim. It's quite a long oh, song, that's, sorry, that's, to, sorry to cut it so short. Yeah, no, no that, that's, that's what I like, long long epic rock. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> again, you know, very, very cool. Um, so I know you, um, and you, as you said earlier, your brother as well, um, have, you know, been involved in the Marines and the military quite a little bit. Um, so talk to us a little bit about, I mean, it's quite a long journey i know but what, what was yeah, that like for me too I, I i don't know even to this day where where the urge to join from came um my dad um had done a bit of ta work my brother had disappeared to join the army one of the other one of my older sisters had joined the raf for a little bit but there was no real military history um in the family um and i left school halfway through my a levels wrong move probably <laughs> Um, and started working. I was playing quite a good standard of football. I was playing Hampshire League football at 17 years of age, so I'm really enjoying that. And um, I've never really not done anything physical since the age of nine, joined an athletics club because my sisters were at an athletics club and just built up. But it got to a point on the island, I think, not that I was um, bored or really wanted to escape, it was more that people knew more about me than I knew about me. People would come up to you, kind of say, oh, you're doing this next week, you're doing that next week. I don't know. And then I just saw an advert in a newspaper for, for the, the Marines, joining the Marine Commandos. I sent that away and went away for a medical and a test. And then the next, literally the next thing I knew, I was at the Limpston in Devon, at the training base, going through my basic training. It was kind of like, mm, weird. And even now, to a degree, looking back on a 29-year career, I kind of think, well, that's kind of just happened, and I don't really know how it's happened or why it's happened. But, you know, I've got a few promotions. I've went to a few places. And it was really interesting. I would probably never change it, never want to change it. I probably wouldn't want to go back and do it all again, but I wouldn't want to change it kind of thing. Yeah, Sounds a bit personal odd. to you. Right, yeah. so, and then after your training in Devon, how did that kind of, I know, again, 29 years, it's, it's not something you can just talk about in a couple of minutes, uh, but where did that kind of take you from there? Did you, and where did you see around the world? Really? Well, yeah, well, everywhere. So um, my first two years was in Scotland um, uh, uh, in a, an organisation called 4-5 Commando, basically Arctic warfare train. So this is where the Golic came from yeah right 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 going inside the arctic circle and train i became a military ski instructor while i was with them as well um next three years were in london doing security duties after that i chose a specialization which was um landing craft so basically aiming landing craft around all over the place which put me into several different deployments um in organizations in plymouth and portsmouth um, and landing platform ships where small landing craft drive in and out of the back off and hang off the sides of. So it's just basically assault ships. So. And then after that, I, I kind of got promoted a few times, did a few more courses, worked my way up the ladder, became the W1 uh, of that particular branch, and then I went on to become the core career manager. Um, and, and eventually, um, because the Marines are part of the Navy, there's like four commands, if you like, that make up the Navy. The Marines being one of the commands, the, the submarine service being another command, the fleet service, like the grey ships, being another command, and the fleet air arm, so all the helicopters and the fast jets that they sometimes have. And at the head of each of those, at non-officer level, if you like, there was a command warrant officer, and I was lucky enough to become that for the Marines for a while towards the end of my career. So. 
Wow. Yeah, and, and like I said earlier, I still don't know how that happened. It just kind of happened. So. Yeah, quite a series of promotions and quite the. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, like you say, over 29 years. So, so it kind of like stepped and spread a few times. So. Yeah, right. And you, yeah. you were saying in the break as well how um, uh, kind of visiting different countries and kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was maybe quite scary in part, just kind of feel. Well, that would, that would have been the trip to Cambodia. Yeah, right. so I worked for the UN for six months on a deployment to Cambodia in 93 for when they had their first kind of um, elections, really, after the, the advent of Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge. Um, um, only time I've ever been shot at was out there. So uh, we were on patrol and uh, a couple of guys decided to take a pop, pop at us, but... So the, the whole of the UN operation was, was just massive. They had um, unarmed, unarmed observers, as we were. They had military with weapons. They had um, civil police trying to teach the, you know, this is the whole of the country. It's not just in the, in the cities, but spread out over the whole of the country. Um, and they had um, engineers there, both um, civil and uh, military. And they had, of course, the, the UN delegation, which was there to try and teach them how um, free and fair elections should be run, the diplomats, if you like. So. And that was probably my most outstanding deployment in my memory, I think, um, wandering around that country. And you saw some sights. It was just, you know, went to the killing fields and that was just spine-chilling moments and, and scary to see what, other humans could do to other humans and yet the the children that we used to come across would just be brilliant they used to call me coco the clown because you know i'd just get them and throw them in the mekong river and they just loved it because they were just that's what they they did they just knew fun so if you gave them a bit more fun they, they absolutely loved it so yeah very humbling as well I mean, again, yeah, quite the experience that, you know, um, Cambodia it was. Would you say that aligns to be your favourite favorite place? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah right. um, that will live longest in my memory, I think, of all the things that I did in the Marines, so the six months I served out there for the UN. It was just, yeah, wonderful, scary, um, humbling, and uh, very educational as well. Yeah, to, quite, to, quite to, a package. Yeah, yeah see what people could do i mean we came across one poor guy and sorry if this is a bit graphic but um loads and loads hundreds of millions of landmines were thrown out across that place and we came across this poor guy who'd stepped on a landmine and the shrapnel had gone up and um, hit him in the upper thigh and he had um pus literally coming out of wounds in his groin and the outside of his hip and out of his buttock and he'd been like that for 14 years because there just wasn't any medical um supplies or even a setup or structure for, for him to be taken care of and it was um a couple of australian um signalers guys that operate radios they were trained pretty well in um med uh, Sorry, I'm getting a little bit emotional about it, but they were trained um, quite highly in uh, in care, so nurses almost, if you like, and they 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 sorted them out, which was quite nice. Fourteen years, wow! I yeah, yeah, yeah. That for forty minutes. I know. <laughs> to be honest, Just with you, Tim. incredible. Wow, uh, what a story! So sorry, I'm a little bit um I'm keep, um time slightly time pressured. We're going to move on to your third song, Tim. But wow, what? Well, thank you for sharing. I mean. Yeah. Despite it being so graphic, I mean, what an incredible emotional story. Um, your, I think, I think it's third song now. Um, I think we've got brown-eyed 
girl, by yeah, 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 Van Morrison. So just tell us a little bit about why that. Well, this yeah, this this is a song for my wife. Um, she she would disagree that this is kind of like you you have a partner and you you know this is our song. She she would probably disagree. She would think there's probably about three songs that would come up for it. But as I said to her, this is kind of like this is my. Desert Island Disc. Yeah, yeah, right. You're, you're, the, you're, the, you're the lady with the brown eyes. You're the lady that makes me as feel as good as this song sounds in my ears. So I'm taking this song with me. You can have the other two oh, when, I, when so I'm gone. Sweet. Oh, that's so sweet. We'll hear that now. Thanks so much, Tim. I know you've, you've been saying to us a little bit, uh, maybe not so much on air, but um, a little bit behind the scenes, a little bit light, lighter-hearted. Um, you're a bit of a golfer now. I... Uh, well, not really. I like to play golf. But... 
<laughs> I like to be on the golf courses, probably. I guess it's a hobby and, you know, kind of career as such. But I know you yeah. did. Did you work a little bit on the golf course? I worked for three years at a golf club um, between coming to here and having left the Marines. Left the Marines in 07 and worked at the golf club for um, three years to 10 to when I came here. And that all went a bit pear-shaped, really, so coming from 29 years in the military to going to work for a, uh, a civilian committee. Let's just say it was more like oil and water, and that's the lid on that, because that wasn't comfortable at the end of it. So, it I, know, I did really enjoy the job initially. It was like dream job, So, but no, it turned into a nightmare. <laughs> I'll leave it at that, fair enough. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I'm not quite sure really where this fits in um, your in your life so much, but I know you, you were just saying, again, you kind of took a, a trip around the world. Now, I know yeah, 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 yeah. so familiar. So, so when, uh, I, when I joined the Landing Craft Branch, as it's called, so the guys that basically drive all the, the small, anything from a small raiding craft, a rubber dinghy, all the way up to a 90-ton vessel that can carry a main battle tank, uh, I worked my way up um, and became the head of that in terms of um, other ranks. So we looked after the career progressions of all others. But one of the other jobs was to go around to the different establishments and carry out inspections, um, inspections of the equipment, inspections of the guys, and inspections of their routines. And one of the places where we had guys was uh, Diego Garcia, which is uh, in the middle of the Indian Ocean. So we had to fly basically out to Singapore and then back to the middle of the Indian Ocean and while I was out there doing this inspect uh, an inspection, um, I got a call saying, well, there's a conference in San Diego that the American Marines are doing about the potential of their next type of their landing craft, and they wanted me to go to it. So they were going to fly me back from Diego Garcia to Singapore to London to Washington to San Diego to uh, go around So I said, well, I'm kind of like, what's the point of coming that way? Why don't you just send me the other way across the Pacific? So which is what they did. So I flew to Singapore, had a couple of days um, in Hong Kong, then went to Japan, a quick change of flight, through the, across the Pacific to San Diego, had the conference with them, and then flew back from San Diego to Washington, back to London. So circumnavigated the world in an aircraft. I was going to say, you kind of did the full journey. Went somewhere. all the way around the world, which was awesome. So. Now in that kind of, um, like, almost... Um, spectatory kind of style um where did you what did you kind of see that that surprised you the most that you kind of took to the most out of that little journey um i suppose uh, the 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 chagos islands which are a little chain of islands north of um diego garcia and uh, they were in the news a few years ago because uh, the population were basically moved on by the government the british indian ocean territories and they've been trying for years and years to try and get back because there was no recompense. I mean, basically, they were just bikini. Uh, they were um, coral atolls. Um, the, the old bounty advert, which was uh, you know a taste of paradise, which was sun-kissed, golden sandy beaches with palm groves. And because nobody had been there, and literally the only product of those islands was palms and coconuts. <laughs> I thought it would be easy to move them on, but obviously the indigenous po- indigenous population want to go back. So there's big legal battles, mm. which you know is, is beyond me. But to go up to those perfectly pristine places and go out on patrol on the boats and see people, and 
there was a, a family there um, and their yacht, and they were literally just spending their life on their yacht, sailing around the world and the Indian Ocean at that particular time, and bringing their child up and educating him as they were going around the world. It was just like, Wow, yeah. oh, that's a parallel way of living, actually. Absolutely. You don't, you don't yeah, see yeah, yeah. it, but it's so cool to kind of hear about, and, you know, you kind of hear the odd story here and there about someone that's had such an, yeah. such an experience like that. Um, Tim, we're going to move on to your I th- your penultimate song, I believe, which we've... Uh, oh, wow. I'm going to see it. We'll go with that. I'm going to try and repeat it. Um, and it's um, the, the Orchestra Classics, is that right? Band of the Royal Marines. Band of the Royal Marines. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Haven't got the, haven't got the um, registered author. Um, the um, R seaman. I thought about it. Tip my hat to them. I haven't served in them for twenty nine years. Oh, I see. <laughs> so, t- so again, uh, quite career oriented. So, tell us a little bit about about this song. This is the um, official Royal Marines slow march, and it was adopted by the Marines in their sixties. Um, uh, the Brzezinski, um Brigade or the Brzezinski Guard, sorry, were uh, a Russian guard back in the days of the Tsar and all that. But nobody actually knows who wrote this piece of music. There is, it's not accredited to anybody, but it, the, the Marines adopted it as their slow march. And going all the way back to training in 1978, um, part of the training is to learn how to march properly. And the first time I heard this, march into slow march, I thought, well, yeah, that was a kind of a, a goosebumpy hair on the back of your neck moment. Um, and something has to represent 29 years in the Marines and all the people that I knew uh, and some who are no longer with us called bless them and all of the trips I went on and this just evokes it the, the last post is something completely different that is you know the last post is for the last post and that should ever stand so well, that's my ultimate piece of military music but this is the memory provoker really Wow, so it all boils down to one song from 29 years of a, wow, yeah, epic Condensed career. into this. In, con- indeed, let's hear it now. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> Thank you. 
condensing 29 years into one minute 50 is <laughs> yeah it, it evokes a lot of memory it does so, i assume yeah, yeah. yeah so, you know i'm sure we've all kind of had something similar you know it's quite a, yeah know, it's just atmospheric really very, so fills the yeah. room for sure so no thank you for that tim very cool very different song thank you um so coming to bryson 2010 i believe you, you yeah 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 12 years so. not 10 Maths is never my strong subject. Oh, that makes both of us, that's for sure. So tell us why you kind of made the move from the kind of your um, not, well, not great golfing kind of career into what is now Bryanston. Uh, because it was a job that was available at the time. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a conscious decision to come here, but I'm very grateful that it did. And Mike, uh, Mike Hayes, who was um, still is the security, uh, head of security and was then, and Paul Speakman, who was the bursar at the time, kind of like saw that I was in a bit of state, basically gave me a job and I haven't looked back since because this place is just tremendous and it's kind of like, people call me Smiley Tim, well, there's a reason I smile, it's because I like being here. So <laughs> I remember the first, the first time I heard about you, Tim, was like, oh, have you cooked to Smiley Tim? I was like, who's that? And then I met you and you fulfilled the name. <laughs> so, no, indeed, indeed, indeed. So, I mean... So you're here, obviously, I assume, quite different to, I mean, as you can see on your on your left, actually, we've kind of got a wall of fame. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the listeners out there can't really see it. But um, you obviously you'll be joining that. And all, well, we were saying, actually, all the members of staff up there, barring soon to be one, um, are all teaching staff. So what do you kind of do that's so different to what teaching staff do, if that makes sense? Well, we're, we're called support staff. So basically, you know, your education, your guys' education is foremost and the security team, our foremost thought is your security and protection. Um, yes, we're there to kind of um, instill a little bit of discipline, I suppose. And we had a brief discussion about smoking dens and the fun of, uh, you know, as the years go by and the different year groups come in, they think they've invented a new smoking den, but not really. It's been, there aren't too many places around here that haven't been used. And we play the game, as discussed, trying to... Uh, keep people and so long as students play the game back that's fine and what there is a line and if the line gets stepped over and it has been twice in the whole of the 12 years for me personally by students then you know the, the smile goes and the and the discipline steps in and we we, we take it the, the next step which is up up to the bursar and uh, another staff second master so right so yeah. definitely and obviously you're here i assume as security, you're here quite, you know, a lot, even when yeah, yeah. students aren't. So I guess you kind of see this. Oh, well, there's, there's two security guards here, 365 or six days a year, 24 7. Wow. So there's, yeah. We have a, um, a, a shift roster, a pattern, which is seven days on, seven days off, um, split three shifts over each of the days, um, which sounds quite nice to get seven, you know, only work for half the year, but. You're actually working the other half of the year, and we cover each other's holidays as well. So it can get quite complicated when people get sick and things like that. But uh, yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess you're are you based mostly in the gatehouse? Do you how, how do you kind of yeah? Do you, well, the gatehouses are uh, you know, post really. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, and the duties from there basically controlling access vehicle, vehicle access and visitors access at the gatehouse, and then we do foot patrols around the main buildings, which we call Zone One. So all the buildings are there, and Zone Two we do um, mobile vehicle patrols so in the security vehicle, and which is more of a, I suppose, a visual deterrent. So if 
people want to come on and the people that do come on in the main just to set your minds at rest and be peaceful that they're mainly looking for things to steal away from the main buildings like scrap metal and things like that lead off the church roof has been a target for instance so with our visual deterrent you can't quantify how many times you stop something but you know because the frequency of those incidences has has dropped off since the you know the vehicles have been out on patrol as often as they are so. yeah no it's it's super low-key but i mean it's it's so it's crucial i mean it wouldn't be bryanson without without you know kind of having smiley tim and the team hey. really around well so. the, the team is 16 so it's not just tim though no, there's no, a lot of guys that do a lot, of hard, of a lot of guys that do a lot of hard work behind the scenes uh, and especially those guys that do night shifts so yeah, uh, that are here three o'clock in the morning in the middle of winter when the rain's horizontal and it's like minus two degrees and it's to, to sleep oh. and they're still out walking around while you're all tucked up in your bed so it's uh, it's a big deal. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. I know it's a, a super important job. So everyone out there, it's it's not it's not easy if you ever thought being a security guard or anything uh, like that, super easy. But no, Tim, thank you. And my one final question for you this evening, just before we wrap up with your fifth and final song, what would your advice from that kind of different perspective that isn't the kind of teaching staff, what would you advise to kind of students in, in our position, really kind of rising through school? Uh it was uh, a wise man once told me that you have to keep your base as broad and as wide for as long as possible before you make a decision to which way you want to go. And if anyone in life can keep their base as broad and as wide as possible, not just in terms of your educational subjects, but your choices of music, your choices of literature, anything across the board, keep it as wide and as long as you can and somewhere out of that. And, and I think that's why I said earlier that I, I kind of ended up where I was without really knowing why it was. I think it's because I kept my base as broad as I could. And you get to somewhere and you look back over your shoulder and think, well, how did that happen? Well, it happened because I kept a broad base. So. Wow. No, exactly. I keep, so keep yeah. your options open, really. kind yeah, For of, as long as, as you, you can. can. Yeah. yeah. Tim, thank you so, so much. That's, that's excellent advice. And I think definitely a few people could kind of pick up on that. I agree. So thank you, Tim. It's great to have nice. you on. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much to all you listeners out there to, for listening into Tim's uh, Brian and Dis. Very, very interesting. I know a favourite of, of ours for sure. So thank you very much, Tim, for coming out tonight. Uh, it's been a complete Cheers pleasure. Thanks for asking for me. Running yeah. everything behind the scenes. And uh, we should be back next week in week 11 for a surprise guest. We'll see. Thank you very much, everyone. See you soon. Thank you. Best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio, proudly sponsored by the BPA.